Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the Black Thread Podcast. My name is Sabrina, and I'm going to be one of your co-hosts this episode and hopefully the next one. Uh, I'm being joined by four of our seven co-hosts. And basically what you need to know about us is that we came from all different parts of the world, such as South Africa, UK, Kenya, the United States, Jamaica, and Uruguay. This space is going to try to bring Black views and Black stories from us, different countries, different cultures, and everything. So with that being said, I'm going to introduce you to our co-host from the United Kingdom. We have Donna. Hi, Donna. Hi. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really pleased to be part of this. I'm just looking forward to getting started. Yeah, me too. Um, then from South Africa, we have Toko and Chris. How are you guys? Oh, good we're good. News, we're good. Yeah, no complaints um, on our side. And then from the United States, we have Don. How are you, Don? I'm doing good, guys. Uh, just can't wait to get started. Yeah, me too. Well, um, there's two hosts missing, which is Gabby. She's from Jamaica, who could not join us today. And there is Brian from Kenya, who couldn't also couldn't join us today. But hopefully they will join us on the next episodes. Okay, so let's just get um, straight to it. I was looking for information to, to really start this conversation. And right now, the Black community is living a really powerful moment that was triggered by the horrific murder of George Floyd in the United States, which was in, I think, May, the past May. He was killed by policemen, by white policemen. And there was a video about it that went viral and was horrifying to watch. Since then, mostly Black people and allies, and I like to call allies the people that doesn't belong to the Black community, but but is supporting the cause and actively supporting the cause, is going to the streets to protest against police brutality, against racism and you know, to defund the police and everything is going on all across the, the United States, especially. One of the movements that has been leading this march and this protest is the Black Lives Matter movement. And I took the time to look at their website to see how they define themselves. And I'm going to give you the definition that they give about themselves, which is the Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer. Trayvon Martin was a 17-year-old boy that lived in Miami and was shot by George Zimmerman in 2012. And basically, because the murder got away with murder. And so the Black Lives Matter Foundation Inc. is a global organization in the US, UK, and Canada, whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the states and vigilant. By combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation and centering black joy, we are winning immediate improvements in our lives. So that was their, their definition of what they, what they do and what they're all about. 
the other day I heard some something on I, I think I heard someone on the TV said that uh, it was difficult to to recognize a, a historical moment while being in it. So my question to you guys is do you think we're li we're really living a historical moment that this is going to be a changing point for the black community? Uh, uh, okay, I I don't know if we're at a turning point. I imagine that the Americans who are part of the protest and the people and you know the people that are actually there they feel like they're in a historical moment because of all the excitement but from a person that's just on the outside looking in it doesn't look or feel like a historical moment for me um so i appreciate the black lives matter movement it was necessary considering how much you know racism and racism was just bubbling over but i have hope that this will be an opportunity to have deeper conversations you know about non-racialism but i don't know if it's a historical moment maybe it will be i, and, I hope it will be. and john what do you think about it as a black male from the u.s um the how do i put it it Growing, growing up here in the United States, it's um, you're taught you're taught that people will judge you based off your skin color, and uh, you really have to you really just have to um, at the end of the day, you really just have to like watch out for yourself. Um, when when the George Zimmerman um, Trayvon Martin thing happened way back in I think it was 2000 and um, 2012, it started pressing. It started it started to um, really unravel like a lot of the laws and rules that we had throughout the country like many southern states have laws called um stand your ground laws which was the defense that um, first immigrants uh, uh defense attorney used because technically if a person is if you are attacked they you have a stand your ground law you have every right to use lethal force to protect them um, and then on top of that you had, you had um you had the ferguson protests where um, there, it was it was noted that a lot of police corruption was happening, um, but you also saw another side of it where apparently there was a lot of um, distrust in the community and people were lying on the stand or lying to lying to prosecuting attorneys. Um, there was just a lot of mistrust not only between the police but the neighborhood itself in Ferguson. And now you come to George Floyd, where um, it's still this this notion that the cops aren't really here to protect, you know, um, people of color, make, in my case, black people's lives. It just seems like more of an, you know, more oppressive, like it, it never had to escalate. And I think right now it's just exposing a lot of the flaws that we have in our, not only our um, policing, but our uh, judicial and um, just our communities as a whole. So um, it's, it was, it was, this, this is this was come this we saw this coming a long ways away you know my grandparents lived through the civil rights era and this and you know like things have changed but they haven't changed to the point where like my parents still had to have a talk with me that people will still not like you because of the color of your skin people will judge you just from what they see not your character 
And um, I think it will continue. It'll probably continue until these notions change. But living in the United States, you see it every day. And you just, you see how protests, how, and I think what didn't help is that the protests are also happening when the state, well, when the country is supposed to be on lockdown. So they're making it a bipartisan issue of should we lock the state down or cities down um, due to the, due to the pandemic. Or I think it was just, it was just um, a powder keg for us out here. I was just waiting to blow. So. And Donna, uh, living in the UK, since you're I mean, living in the US, in the yeah, UK, I mean, do you it, think it's, um, do you, did you, do you see these episodes of police brutality in your country or, or not? It's a historic moment in that um, quite often we see things from the US point of view. So we're, we're outside looking in and um, whilst we can sympathize empathize it's always it's always very far removed so in england when you do black history only in the recent last couple of years have we been looking at uk history everything's always kind of looked to america so there's always been that kind of distance between it between us and what's happening in america even though it's happening in the uk as well but the uk is very it, it's i'd say the uk are very very good at um not really showing the racism overt. So I've worked in, in the UK and in America and I found America quite easy. So small things, um, in the staff room at school, I knew where to sit because you sit with the black people. <laughs> the black people sit with the black people in America. I mean, I don't know if it's still the same, it's quite a few years back. But in England, it's every, everyone's quite mixed in. There are no no-go areas and um, really there is no acknowledgement that there is racism, but it's in your face. But the face has always got a smile on it, so it's always very difficult. So I think it was a historic moment in that um, people in the UK really kind of thought, this is our problem as well. This is not just us looking in at America. This is something that we're acknowledging is happening in the UK as well. And even though we see it in the UK, it's, I don't know, the media is such in the UK that you don't... Um, they have people believing, and I'm sure this is the same everywhere, but I, I don't know what it is about the UK. There's not very much acknowledgement that there is any racism at all. And you get that from not just the whites, you get that from the blacks as well. You get black people accusing each other of not, um, you know, not, not playing the part or being too resistant. And I'd say London, England is very different to the rest of England. Um, the reason why I'd say it's also a historical moment is because in UK, the black culture is loved. I would say, you know, especially within schools and youth culture, black's cool. Everybody wants to be black. And if they don't want to be black, they want to do black. But um, at this point, I think it was the first time that white people actually were willing to, if not really be more introspective and look at themselves, it was the first time that they were willing to say, okay, maybe there is something wrong with us. So in, in that case, I think, yes, it was, it was very historical. And, it's, and the historical moment is not even the thing. It's, it's, the, it's the legacy afterwards that's really important. Yeah. And Chris, um, since you are from, from South Africa, 
has there been any any kind of movement there or is people going out the streets has there been any march or or anything related to this particular moment that we're living so not really um there has been certain pockets of you know um conversations happening but mainstream nothing really um except in our um sporting community um so what i've picked up um you know was that a lot of sports that was um i'm putting this you know in inverted commas white dominated so like um cricket i'm not sure if you guys know what it is so we have cricket and we have rugby so that was previously white dominated sport always known as the white man's sport so um what's been happening is those communities have been trying to implement um you know black lives matter um whether it be by um having it on the on the team shirts whether it be by kneeling before game um and they have actually received a lot of backlash for that from the so-called white sportsmen where they don't want to do it but everyone of color within those teams actually wants to do it so that's been in the media a lot but um when it comes to marching and protesting black lives matter not so much okay, okay. can i just come in there um yeah. with chris um actually there there were two marches that took place um one was immediately um after protest broke out in america and that was done by one of the political parties that we have called EFF or Economic Freedom Front they had a march and it was well attended concern that we were in the first in, in the deep stages of lockdown you know we were on level 4 at that point in time i believe and then we had another march not so much a march but a protest at the constitutional court or they also called it constitutional hill where you know our constitutional court sat and yeah there was a solidarity movement opened for the black Ma- uh, the black lives matter movement so those two have happened and i take it most of that happened up in up in joburg yeah 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 so and what about the the what do you think about the white people's reaction to this uh movement to this project as they're being really do you think there has been really open to to start discussing about racism because what happens here at least here I'm living in Argentina and what happens here is that white white people find really difficult to talk about racism like we, here they see what happened in the US and they think that oh but that happened in the united states yeah like, we don't have racism here yeah. it's, it's happening in the us it's happening right there <laughs> and when they come the day that the black blackout tuesday everyone had their you know every famous person and every all of them white had the like like the black blog on the instagram on their instagram account <laughs> blah 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 but then on the everyday you see this micro racism Mm-hmm. I mean, I experience them every single day of my life. 
So do you think, and if you point out, like, you're being racist right now, they get so angry that I don't know if they really understand what we are talking about. I don't know what happens in your country. Like, Donna, what happens in the, in the UK? Well, I guess now everybody, every, you know, you've, you've, we've got a lot of, um, I think there is an increase in allies, but there is also an increase in allies in inverted commas. So people who, you know, kind of say the phrase a lot, maybe they might um, support, you know, they might go out with their black friends a lot. They've got, a, they've got far more interest in sort of showing that they're down a lot. Um, Beyond, beyond just listening to the music and perhaps pasting their edges down, you know, in, in a way that a black might. Um, you know, so, but I think what, what I found is that they don't know what to do. It's, it's, it's difficult for white people. They don't know what to do because um, in the UK, like I said, you, it's difficult to, you know, every, you do everything with a smile on your face, basically. So you could be saying the worst things um, the most racist things, but you do it with a smile on your face and anything that you're demanding, you might put it as a question, but everybody is, it's understood. It's a language that's understood. Um, it's important that it's going to last. I think, I think we've taken a step forward because like I said, it's made, it's made white people look um, at themselves a little bit more. And but within that, it's made some people be very, very much more... Um, defensive. So at the moment, white people are quite emboldened to um, say, I've had someone say quite frequently, black lives don't matter to me. Go away, you know, black lives don't matter. What, what are you talking about? Whereas before, like I said, the racism was very much more covert. I think now it's emboldened people to be much more strong in their racism, whilst at the same time, there's another factor of people who are more willing to look at themselves under a microscope. But also on that, Donna, um, I'm just thinking that the faction of people that's willing to look at themselves, it's so small compared to the ones that's defending everything because um, now you're getting a lot of white people saying, why is black lives only um, being looked at? All lives matter. Mm. So I think that majority of them don't understand no. um and don't. what about you jean do you think that white people in the u.s it's really uh starting to understand because i mean if i go back i can go back to uh 1992 where the rodney uh, king thing happened and it was on television and everybody saw it and it seems like the, the, the response is happening now with the George Floyd uh, murder, but both things were televised, both things were seen by the same people. So why do you think like, or the question would be, do you think that more white people is starting to acknowledge about the racism that there really is in the country? I think I think it really it's a little bit more uh, nuanced than that. I think um, so. The United States is a very it's a quite a large country, and it um, you have people 
like um, a black person like me who grew up in Los Angeles can have a very different life from a black person that grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, it really, it's like, and it's a, so it's, there's two things. There's like urban versus rural population. And then there goes the, um, then the next one is like socioeconomic, like it's literally the rich versus the poor. Um, I think where the issue comes from is that you have, you have people that like, um, the simple, the easiest way to explain it is that um, they don't sympathize. They don't sympathize because they don't think they don't see it as a problem because their to them their problems are are much more pressing than some person that they've never met. So um, there's white people here think, that say like, well, I suffer the same. You know, I you know I suffer the same like you guys. So what makes you better than me? And it's just it's not. There's no empathy. Like there's there's not there's no more. Um, putting my putting myself in another person's shoes like they're what they're doing now is like they're taking black lives matter and they're saying well all lives matter but it's it's not like it's not that we're saying that black what they're seeing is like black lives matter more than other people but what we what we have to keep explaining them is like no like like we're not even treated as equal to you so like it's just we're just stating like hey we we matter as much as you guys but to them they they think we already matter as much as, as matter as much to them. Um, so it's, and like the difference between like the Rodney King and that, it was that um, the United States for the first time witnessed police brutality on, um, on a black man, even though, you know, he, he led them on this crazy police chase. Um, it, I think what, what happens in America is that tensions, boil, tensions start to boil. Like, Back in the 60s, we had the Watts riots, and that was after years and upon years of like police brutality in 65. And then we had the we had the Rodney King riot, which was another which is another bout of years upon years of um, police brutality. And then recently, uh, we had we had our own another set of riots. But these, um, but I think what people what what happens is like, um, when riots happen in our own communities, people don't. People say, "Oh, I can't believe they're doing this to their own businesses." But certainly, um, the riots and the protests and everything have been happening in the wealthier parts of town. So the call to action is a little bit different because now these same and what I what I can what I can admit is um, white people in America are different based off of where they grew up. So a white person grew up in a city, an urban city. They hang out, hung. They they were involved with people of different rate backgrounds and everything, socioeconomic backgrounds. Ten out of times out of ten, they are they will always be an ally. Um, but then you have people that grew up in situations where they they didn't know anything because we're not a big population. We're only like what 13, 16 percent of the whole United States population. There's towns where there's no black people, no Latinos, no Asian. So like they might never see black person like I had a I have a friend from college I was the first black person he had ever met and like we were wow. both 19 and, and we and we and we bonded like because we play Mario Kart Super Smash Bros we play video games together and like I now I would go hunting with him and everything so I really do it really does come down to like um how were they how how are we raised like I'm, and I know there's black people that don't feel comfortable around white people, white people that don't feel comfortable around black people. But I think um, 
I really, I think that we need to start to empathize more. And America takes this stand, like it's about individualism and you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. So, and everybody and, and people and people predominantly poor white people think like, I am just one lucky break away from becoming that millionaire. Like it's, it's that mindset that keeps us, um, that keeps us at each other's throats. So I really, um, we really, it's the, the, um, the politicians and everything this against each other, and it works so that we all, it's like the true issue is, can always, is always drowned out by, um, excuse my language, like the bullshit that, that um, people spew. So I really, it's, it's, it's really difficult because racism is something that we admit happens and we admit has happened and will con- and probably continue to happen for you know a few more generations but um at least there's people that acknowledge it and they're ready to work towards change it's just that that change can't is not far sweeping as pe- people would want it to be because you have bastions or like whole populations like well i don't care about your problems because it doesn't it doesn't affect me Okay, and and Soko, do you um in you're in South Africa, right? Do you mm-hmm. do you know any or are there any organizations or movements there similar to the Black Lives Matter movement? I mean, or that fight against racism? Because I don't know how the the proportion of population is with white and black people there. So I don't know if the, there's more black people in South Africa or if, if there's not. Are there any movements that fight against racism there? So at this point, we actually, wait, we do have the human rights chair, but we, act, we do have actually the... Um, Mm, there's a there's a movement I just forget the name right now but um, there is a movement that actually looks at racism but the thing with us is you have to remember that we come from a country that was majority black and was oppressed by white people we had the process of apartheid that we lived under and then gained freedom from um And the thing was, we put a plaster on a bullet wound. So racism always simmers in our country, and then it boils over now and again. And I think we have cycles of it because we haven't yet dealt with, properly dealt with the trauma of, having lived under apartheid, we haven't yet achieved the economic freedom that we also fought, that we also needed to deal with the imbalance of the rich and the poor. In our case, the majority who are poor are black. Um, and then we also have the compounding of the fact that we're led by black leaders, but we've experienced spotty change in our material lives as black people, right? And that's disappointing. And because they disappoint us and the fact that 
the majority of the world still lies in the hands of white people. There's a lot of resentment majority there. Of yes, the majority of the world still lies in the hands of black pe- of white people. So there's resentment there, right? And when we try have conversations with them about their privilege and the fact that they they have majority of the world by the fact that they own majority of the land and they have actual monetary wealth and also economic wealth. It's, it's very difficult for them to even want to have this conversation. So one of the biggest issues we have right now is as black people, we don't want to be dictated to about when we call people out for their racism. We are told that we are playing the race card and that we should get over it. It's only been 20, it's already been 25 years or 29 years, 26 years. I can actually attest to that. Um, Yeah, and uh, then on top of that, they, they, when we try to have conversations with them about privilege, they deny this privilege. Uh, and then on top of that, my realization, and then they, they gaslight you about their racism, right? You call them out for racist acts or, or words, and they cry wolf. Or they yeah. turn it on their head. They make you feel bad for them being racist, right? And I think that one thing I've realized, yeah. And one thing I've realized is that white people know they're racist. They know exactly what they're doing when they are racist. Think, no matter how casual it is, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Sorry, Toko. I, I don't know if any of you guys experienced this before, but has any white person ever told you, I'm not trying to be racist, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a uh, whole lot of racist bullshit comes out of your mouth. My auntie's black. Or my cousin's black. I'm not racist. My best friend's black. My next door neighbor. Yeah. yeah. I have a black friend. Whatever. It's like the most common uh, saying here. Like, oh no, I'm not a racist. I, I have a black friend. Like, if that, you know, doesn't change the fact that you can be racist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, so as I was saying, right, um, that I believe that white people always know when they're being racist. And if they they claim they don't know that they were being racist, they're lying. That, 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 that they are so casual about the racism means that it's inborn in them. And they know exactly what they're doing to you when they do that. I'm not sure if I agree the with person- that. I think, I think here in the UK... A lot of them don't know that they're being racist. They think that they're being um, anti-racist just by, you know, not mentioning race or um, by being with you or by listening to your, to your music or by calling you brethren, thing like that. I, I don't oh. know that racist. I think that they, um, I think that they just come from a position of, um, you know, it's a word that's used so often now, but entitlement. That they do just kind of think they're on a different they're on a different level. 
Oh, I can understand that because you you guys don't have a recent history of, mm-hmm. of, of racism. We come from that. We come from apartheid, which was like Holocaust light. They literally took what, they, what happened in Nazi Germany and they implemented it in South Africa. And it just didn't outright put people in gas chambers and kill them and put them in. In, in whatnot. So they, they, they took Nazi Germany light and implemented it and we got party South Africa. So that history is very recent. So any white person that claims they don't know what they're doing they know. after we've been working for so long, two decades, it's, all, it's going on now about yeah. racism. Every single year, the same thing over and over again. June 16th, Freedom Day, Mandela Day, all those it's all the conversations are there. So when a white person in South Africa, I don't know about anywhere else, I'm sure about in South Africa, when they cry wolf or claim ignorance, they lie. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what they're doing. Because it's something that they were brought up with. You understand? And then there's a lot of conversation about this is racist. You know, the, the dismantling of apartheid meant that it was brought to the fore that such things are racist. It's part of our zeitgeist. It's part of our, our our conscious as a people at this point to know what is not racist. But when a white person, especially a pure of mine, is racist casually to me, they know exactly what they're doing. Even as they're older, they know what they're doing in our context. Um. So, Chris, let me ask you yeah. this. Do you think that, I mean, are we Black people need to are the ones in charge of teaching white people not to, how to not be racist? Because I don't think we have, sometimes I have, you know, most of my friends are white. And sometimes when they, you know, when this George Floyd came out, everyone came up to me to ask me questions. And I was like, I'm not, I, I don't want to be your black friend today. I mean, you, you have Google. <laughs> Go out there, find information on your own. Don't, like, don't come to me like I'm a, you know, some kind of uh, Wikipedia, black Wikipedia or something, because I don't know everything. Do you think we are the ones that uh, needs to be in charge of educating white people? Yes and no. Um, no on the basis of they know what they did wrong. Why are you bringing it up? Why are you cracking a joke about it? Um, yes, on the basis of there's a lot of younger kids coming up now. So a 10 or 9-year-old is not going to know what is racist. And a 29-year-old is going to. So a kid coming up now, yes, we should teach them. And uh, I think that the history books should um, you know, be changed because in, or for example, I can only speak for South Africa, right? In our history books, that is not black history. That is history that the white man wants you to know. Um, you know, there's so much uh, figures and so much things that happen that's not in there that's just kind of being passed down, you know, via word of mouth. Um, so, to that question, yes and no. Um, then also, on what Torko said, um, with the white privilege, um, 
and with the gap of the wealth that's in our country, um, where the white the white man, the white person, is percentage wise at least um, the lesser population, yet they hold the most wealth in the country. Um, why can't that just be shifted? You know, to the people that was here before they came. You know, um, I've actually had this conversation with someone at work not too long ago, and um, I think it was a really ignorant thing that was said. And yes, he was a white guy. So we brought up the topic of wealth and why white people is holding on to basically everything. And this guy then told me. No one told my ancestors who was uh, the coit. Um, no one told them to sell their land for a piece of a mirror because they never knew what a mirror was. And that kind of had me thinking, this guy is the most racist mother. Um, yeah. And what about a year, John, just to, to finish? Have you um, had to have a conversation with someone regarding racism? Like some with someone white, I mean? Like do you have you ever been on a on a on an episode where you needed to teach someone not to be racist? No, I've never had that. I and I think I haven't had that. I think probably one of the reasons why I've never had that situation is because um, um, I, I actually don't know why I've never had the situation. Now that I think about it, um, maybe, maybe I'm, well, maybe I'm too quick-witted with my tongue, and you know I could come back with something real quick. Um, I don't know, but I've never had a situation where I've had to explain racism. I think race. Everybody knows racism exists. We go through so many trainings about like microaggressions for work and everything. I think people understand. I people understand it, and where I live is it's not a place where, like, I'm I'm gonna be you know like it's I'm not tar I'm targeted. Maybe you know maybe I have to worry about the police, but that's the extent of, you know, like it's probably I'm probably more, it's probably more like. Um, How my my dad puts it is like if anything we're dealing we're probably dealing with a little bit more of a racist Latino population than anything because they're moving into our neighborhood and you know they kind of look they kind of look at us different what um but a lot of the times we've been living in the areas that we've been living in for generations so I don't I personally have never experienced a situation where I had to explain racism to anybody because I think everybody already talks about it I think people don't want to keep talking about it that's the issue like they don't. They try, they're trying to, essentially they're trying to say like, well, it doesn't exist anymore. And I, there's always that reminder on television that, yeah, it still exists. Like the Civil Rights Act was what, only like, like 80 years ago? Not even, not even 80 years ago. It was within my parents' lifetime. My grandmother saw, you know, my, gra my grandmother witnessed Jim Crow laws throughout the whole South and the Midwest. Um, they, so it's not something that it's, it's not something that we can just let go because we have so many museums and everything that's, that's literally say like, Hey, we have a problem. We'll, 
continue to have a problem until we address it, but the problem's not going away. And what are, just to, to finish, the, to start finishing the, this conversation and this episode, uh, I'm going to ask this to everybody. Um, what do you expect to happen? Because we all want, you know, to end racism, but in what immediate action do you think is going to be taking place? Like, do you think people is going to start questioning themselves more or what is the the immediate result of all of this that has been going on lately what do you think that result is gonna be like donna what do you what do you think yeah i mean like i said i i work in a school and i hope that the immediate result is going to be a change in the curriculum having a look at the curriculum and um changing needs to be changed changing the viewpoint um because i think it's always been taken as gospel the school curriculum is the school curriculum and the history is a history beyond black history month um which can which, which is actually celebrated one day after the end of the black history month the last school that i was at um which doesn't which shows just how much it's disregarded i think um once we once we change the curriculum that's where that's where we start to grow better more rounded forward thinking human beings okay so you expect a, a change in, in yeah the, i think in the education there, there has been a lot more discussion in education there's always been the undercurrents of um that education in places like london where you've got quite a high black population but um the minute you step outside of london it's non-existent and i think The protests that have been happening in the UK and the um, and the protests that were going on before the Black Lives Matter, before um, George Floyd, murder, um, they were go they were talking about you know the statue outside Oxford universities and you know and the statues in Bristol. I think that's gonna that's gonna change the education, and that that will be the biggest change from here. And I think that will be the the, the most um, the change with the most longevity i think it will be within education great and Togo, what do you expect the immediate uh, result of all of this that has been going on is going to be in your country or do you expect that there there is going to, going to be like any immediate action because of this So I was saying that I don't expect any immediate change because we have um, a bigger issue to deal with in our country. Um, maybe we'll discuss it in another podcast, uh, but it's gender-based uh, gender violence, you know, the killing of women and children. So right now, racism isn't that big of an issue. But it's going to crop up one of these days, probably in the next year or so. But right now, that's that's the biggest focus. So I don't expect any immediate change. Maybe in the sporting sector because they're making a bigger deal out of it. But yeah, in my everyday life, even in government, it's not even going to change anything. Okay, and you, Chris? Well, you're from South Africa too. But what is your perspective for this? What's your point of view about? Um, you know, like Toko said, um, immediate change, I don't think um, 
we're going to see that anytime soon. Um, the country uh, has kind of more pressing issues like keeping the lights on because um, we have blackouts sometimes. Um, so maybe in the next, I'm going to say in the next five to ten years, um, we'll only really see a change. But for now, um, I think the country has some other pressing issues to kind of deal with, so we won't see any change now. Not saying that the Black Lives Movement isn't a pressing issue, but um, if you, yeah, if you're looking at the bigger picture, personally, I don't think that it's going to happen soon. Yeah, and, and about you know Argentina, which is where I live right now, I don't, I don't expect any changes because we have no representation here that's the reality we don't have black people in the government we don't have black people on tv we don't have people black people you know anywhere so i don't expect any change if i'm being honest with all of you so um thank you guys for joining and i hope you enjoy the conversation that we just had and we will see you on the, on the next episode. So thanks for joining. And I have a great time. So thank all to you. Sabrina. Thank you guys. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 See you.